Take your Bibles and find Acts chapter 2 today. going to be in a very familiar passage. Um, I think I'd, I'd be curious as to how many pastors and preachers are teaching out of this text across the country and around the world today. You're going to look at Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. And I just want to talk to you about the vision of our church, about our foundations, about where we're going and what we're planning and what we believe that God has in store for us. This is a, uh, an interesting one for me because, as you all know, this is my first year. So I've been asked several questions. So just exactly what are you planning to change this year? And I have, I have good news for you. This is a healthy church. This was a great church long before we ever got here, and it'll continue to be a great church, regardless of whether we're here or not. This church has been established. This church has a firm foundation. I fully intended and failed to send Pastor Sam a text this morning just again to affirm and thank him for his years of faithful ministry of preaching and teaching. Are you thankful for all that Pastor Sam has done for you here? I would encourage you, if you can get the time, write him a note, send him a text, and just remind him of the grace of God in his, through him into your life. I think that's an important thing. There's an old saying that says, if it appears that I can see further than most men, it's because I'm standing on the shoulders of giants. So I don't pretend to stand here with a new vision. Matter of fact, what we're going to talk about today is pretty familiar. Not much new here. I'm grateful for elders and leaders in this church who have just held the reins and stood, stood firm in the task, who haven't wavered. And Brother Paul and Dave and Jim and Randy, you all as elders, I am a blessed man to get to serve along beside you. And I look forward to pressing the plow with this. Yeah, give these men a round of applause on their families. I grew up in a pastor's home. Matter of fact, our, the house I grew up in uh, was right next door to the church. It was the church parsonage. Anybody in here have familiarity with growing up in a church parsonage? So you all know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, our house, it had a, obviously a front door and it had a back door. And the house that we lived in used to be the old community center. So this was the house and the place where if someone was in need in the community, they would come into that house to get help. Well, we were living there at the time, and I remember this old drunk feller. He stumbled through the front door and into the kitchen, and he was looking for, for help, and mom tried to feed him, and she headed him out the back door, and he just circled right back around, went back in the front door and up the front steps. But when she got upstairs, she found him. She headed him back down the back steps and out the back door. We chased that fellow three times around the house. I grew up in the church. My front door was 21 steps from the front door of the church. When I say I grew up next door to it, if I was any closer, I'd been in it. I grew up in a household where there was never an option. Are we going to church? Anybody else? 
Do you have a mama that just didn't give you that option? We go into church. And in my day, we went to church Sunday morning, Sunday school, church, Sunday night. I'm getting some head shakers with me. And then we'd do it all over again on Wednesday night. And we'd have Tuesday night visitation. And we'd have Saturday morning bus visitation. Do I have any witnesses in the house today? Sure. This is the way we grew up. And man, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. To me, being at the church was my favorite thing to do. And I would go over and I'd find a broom or I'd find a vacuum cleaner or something. And I just loved to work in the church. I remember being eight years old and we had a thriving bus ministry at the time. Some of you remember the, uh, the blessings and the curses of bus, bus ministries. Our buses were held together with duct tape and coat hangers, I can tell you that. But we had this bus ministry. I was eight or nine years old. And I said, Dad, I want my own bus route. Well, he's not going to let me drive it. There's wisdom on his part. So here's what he does. He, he links me with a man named Jack Sexton. Now, Jack Sexton was about 60, 65 years old. He was a recovering alcoholic, and I mean just now a recovering alcoholic. He was a single man, and Jack and I went out every Saturday morning inviting kids to get on our bus the next morning. I remember as an eight-year-old kid, we went out on that bus one particular day. We picked up 102 kids on one bus that seats 42 kids. They were hanging out the windows, out the doors. They were everywhere. Took three buses to get them all home. I grew up in the church. I love the church. I remember we were in Jacksonville, Florida, and I had gone forward at Hillcrest Baptist Church on a Sunday night, surrendering my life to the Lord. And I remember kneeling on an altar like this, and my dad happened to be in the service with me that night, and he came and knelt beside me. He said, son, what are you doing here? And said, dad, I just want to serve the Lord all the days of my life. And I'll never forget what he said to him. He said, son, if you can do anything else, go do it. And if you can't, don't try. And what good advice. I've spent most of my adult life in church ministry. Associate pastor, co-pastor, discipleship pastor. I was a student pastor one time. That didn't go so well. I've been a senior adult pastor, missions pastor, discipleship pastor. I guess if you name it, I've probably done it. I was asking Jim this week, I said, so when it snows... I said, do I need to, to go get sidewalk salt and put out and make sure the sidewalks are shoveled? And he went, no, no, we'll, we'll take care of that. And I said, that's foreign to me. In my previous life, <laughs> we did it all. You cleaned the windows, you shoveled the sidewalks, you helped take care of the babies, you taught the kids, you did it all. I love the church. Can I ask you two questions this morning? How important is the church to you? 
How important is it? Is it optional? Is it casual? Is it just familiar? Or is it a passion? Do you love the church? Do you really love it? And I'm not just talking about fellowship Bible church. Well, I think that's important and, and I do love this church and I love this body of believers. I love this fellowship that has come together. But I love the church, the redeemed, the blood-bought people of Christ. I love his church. And the Bible calls us his, his bride. So here's my question. How important is it in your life? What is, what is the importance of, in the priority structure of your life of the local church? You realize most of us need to make the decision to attend church on Saturday night, not Sunday morning. Many people, if they'll wait till Sunday morning to decide to go to church, the bed will stay too comfortable. In the winter, summertime, the lake will be calling and a variety of different things will capture our attention. Let me ask it this way. How much focus does the church get in your life, in your family, in your home? Do you talk about it? Do you consider how you're going to serve in it? Let me ask a second question. Not so much how, much how important is the church to you, but how important is the church to Jesus? He says in the gospels, he says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Does that tell you how important the church is to Jesus? He's going to sustain it. He's going to strengthen it. He's going to protect it. He's going to care for it. He's going to do all he can in his power and his might to guard his church. That's good news for you and I. This church, Fellowship Bible Church, has been here, I, I don't know the exact years, somewhere between 30 and 35 years if I get those, those numbers right. That's a long time to have influence in one community. That's long obedience in the same direction. That's great faithfulness to the work of Christ. But what is God's vision for this church? Does it change? Here's a fun little survey. I wasn't going to do this. Let's just play a little game. How many of you think the vision of God's church changes? If you say yes, raise your hand. How many of you say the vision of God's church never changes? How many of you say, I don't really like this game and I'm not answering either question? <laughs> the mission and the vision of the church of God is consistent. We're going to proclaim, we're going to equip, and we're going to go. That's a nice, simple way to, to organize those thoughts. Now, the expression of mission and vision may adjust and may change according to the local gathering of the church. But I can tell you a couple things at the very beginning. God wants Fellowship Bible Church to be a learning church. He wants us to be a learning church. He wants us to be a caring church where we do well at caring for one another and those around us. He wants us to be a worshiping church. 
that knows how to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. And this is an old word. It really shouldn't be, but it is an evangelizing church, a church that's going out and sharing of the good news. So you've got your Bibles. You found yourself to Acts chapter two. Let me give you a couple verses, and then we're just going to unpack this pretty quickly. Beginning in verse 42, it says, they devoted themselves. This is the early church, the first church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Now everyone, circle everyone, was filled with all, and many wonders and signs were being performed by the apostles. Now all the believers, circle that, all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Now every day, circle every day, every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And every day, circle it, every day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. And I pray God's blessings upon the reading and the preaching of God's word. Every now and then, some well-intended soul will come up to me and go, you know what, we should be like the church in Acts. We should go back and be like that first century church. And I, I can assure you that you really don't want to be just like the first century church. You notice a couple things the first century church did, right? They met every single day. How many of you want to go to church seven days a week? Don't raise your hand. Just keep that between you and the Lord. They, they ate their meals together. They went from house to house. Did you catch 45? Isn't that a stinger of a verse? They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all. About a year and a half or so ago, I had a student who wrote a paper uh, for my class at Liberty on the book of Acts, and he was allowed to choose a topic. I have this paper still, and his topic was this, why God promotes socialism. Oh, this ought to be fun. And he took Acts chapter 2, verse 45, and said, that's socialism. I don't have time to unpack all that, but I'm just going to say this. No, it's not. Clear enough? No, it's not. That's not what the Lord is teaching here. That's not what this means. And I'm going to help us, hopefully, to understand a few of these things. I don't know how many years ago, but... The elders and many of the leaders of the church put together the foundations book. Anybody have this copy of this? If you don't, we have some out at the Welcome Center. I'd encourage you to pick this up. When you turn into the foundations book and you get onto page whatever this is, I just lost it, page one. Someone couldn't count, but there's like four pages ahead of them. But to page one, it says our mission, our mission is to fill the Great Commission as we proclaim the gospel, equip the saints, and we go into all the world. Makes pretty good sense, doesn't it? Sounds like they got that exactly right. They use Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20 as their foundation. All of that is solid and true and correct, and we agree with that. And then they have their core values. This is what we say we believe. 
and it's sound Bible teaching and a relationship with Christ and authentic worship, the fellowship of believers, extending the kingdom, a relevant ministry, and that it be spirit-led. And you can go through these core values. What I want to do for us today and with us today is take Acts chapter 2 and apply it to these values worded just slightly different. Here's number one, that how the church works this morning and what the vision of the church is. The vision of Fellowship Bible Church is that we will be a preaching and we will preach and teach the word of God to every generation. That we will preach and teach the word of God to every generation. Why do we use the term preaching and teaching? Because there's a difference between preaching and teaching. Preaching is calling for an immediate response. Preaching is calling for a, an application of this passage into our lives. I've been asked on a couple uh, occasions since I've become the pastor here, and why do I give so many gospel invitations? Because that's the only thing I know how to do. The only thing I know how to do when I preach is to give us an opportunity to respond to it. To take the truth of the word of God and try to present it in such a way through the power of the Holy Spirit that he quickens you and I to evaluate what God has said and where we are living and how we're going to respond to it. If all I wanted to do was teach, we could stand up here for hours. Trust me, I can go for hours. And we can pour out great truths and great content and historical and philosophical and practical applications all day long out of a text. But there's something about the preaching of the word of God. You and I, not just me, not just the trained professional here, you and I are preachers of the gospel. It just simply means to foretell. We're not foretelling anything. We're not prophesying anything. But we are foretelling what the word of God has already said. And brother Mike, when you get the chance to preach, it's just simply calling people to response to the truth of the word of God. And you go, well, I'm just not a preacher. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. According to the word of God, we are. We're also teachers. I wear a couple different hats I, I'm pastoring here and uh, serving in, in the ministry here as an elder and as a lead pastor and teacher. I'm also an adjunct professor for Liberty University. So I teach a three or four different Bible classes and work in our doctoral program there. So sometimes I have my teacher hat on. Sometimes I have my preacher hat on. And I'm often asked, am I a preacher or am I a teacher? And I'm going to say to you this morning, the answer is yes. Yes. We are both. Do you realize a few moments ago, we dismissed our kids to go downstairs. You remember that? Do you know why we did that? Not to free up seats. Not to make your life a little bit easier. Not to give you a break. And not to provide child care. We sent our kids downstairs for the teaching of the word of God at their level in a way that they can understand it and they can apply it. Are you glad you got a church that teaches our kids how to love Jesus? Then you need to be a part of that. So I grew up 
believing that nursery wasn't child care, that nursery was ministry. Did you know that if you go downstairs and you work in our nursery, we're not just asking you to change bottles and diapers? We're not asking you just to feed them and keep them quiet. We're going to start asking you to pray over these kids, to sing to these kids, to read scripture to these kids. And you go, well, what if they don't understand it? God in heaven does. And it plants these seeds at an early age. We're going to do this in our preschool, in our elementary, in our junior high, in our senior high. We want to see a young adult ministry started, a college and career age ministry started. We want to see this ministry expand to reach every generation. Do you agree with that this morning? That the preaching and the teaching of the word of God should not just be for those of us that are the adults and sitting in this room. It ought to start in the crib and it ought to go all the way to the grave. And that there should not be a segment in our church and in our community that we are not intentional on teaching the word of God to them. When you look back at Acts chapter 42, it says they, circle the word they, that's the church, they devoted, that means they committed themselves, they had a conviction about this, but they made it personal. They came together as a church committed and convicted to personally grow in the apostles' teaching. Here's my question to you this morning. Now I feel like I'm preaching, okay? How committed are you? Well, you go, I'm here. Okay. I didn't ask if you're attending. I asked if you're committed. At what point... Are you going to draw a line in 2024 and go, I am committed, I am devoted to the preaching and the teaching of the word of God and not just to me, but to every generation, which means some of you are going to have to learn how to absorb, how to teach, how to learn, and some of you are going to have to learn how to serve all at the same time. Does that make sense to you this morning? Am I being too harsh? Well, brace yourself. We're going to be preaching and teaching the word of God to every generation. The second thing this morning that is how the church works, it is a living and growing in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Living and growing. Living, meaning it's vibrant, it's active. Growing, it's no longer stagnant. It is maturing on towards faith. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, circle it, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. You know what fellowship means? They just simply came together. Folks, I've, I've been a part of the church for years and years and years, all of my life. But it wasn't until I came back to Fellowship Bible Church that I experienced our little meet and greet time. We used to do it way back in the day. But I haven't been a part of a church, have we, Sue, that's done a meet and greet like this for decades, probably. And can I just be really transparent with you? I remember the first time I showed up, I watched it online, actually, and I saw this little meet and greet, and I went, ugh. <laughs> that's that's uh, Greek for yuck. And then I got here, and we did our little meet and greet, and I went, oh. I like this. And now I look forward to this time. Matter of fact, 
I think churches should go back to this. I think we should reinstitute a time of meeting and greeting. Go, well, what happens if it makes our guests or our visitors not feel, feel uncomfortable, rather? It won't. A kind face, a firm handshake, and a warm smile doesn't make people feel uncomfortable. They were devoted to fellowship. It says they were devoted to the breaking of bread. That, that just means having a meal together. And here's what's so interesting about this. It wasn't that they were so, so devoted to McDonald's or Burger King. That's not what we're talking about. In this culture, when you had a meal together, that coming together for a meal only happened when there was right relationship amongst the entire group at the table. Matter of fact, if you had conflict with someone, you broke fellowship at the table, at the dinner table with them. To wait, the way they knew culturally that the relationship was restored was when they came back together to eat. I happen to like that approach. I like to eat a lot. Notice this, when they break bread together, not only do they have fellowship together, but they have communion with one another. Do you have anything you're holding against somebody? Do you have anything that's keeping you from really breaking bread with somebody? And notice what it says, they were devoted to the breaking of bread, to the fellowship, and to prayer. It means they didn't just get together and talk about how the kids were doing, how work was, and what the weather was like. When they got together in fellowship and they got together in mealtime, it brought them together in prayer time. How are you doing in your prayer life? You go, oh, preacher, I knew, I knew you were going to hit that the first of the year. You're going to tell me I'm supposed to be reading my Bible and praying, right? Yes. Yes. But let's not make it so prescriptive today. Can you imagine, Sue and I have been married for 32 years. She's glad I got that right. I'm probably out of the screen now. I have to stay over here. I'm sorry. We've been married 32 years. And uh, our marriage is like your marriage. When it's good, there's few things that's better. And when it's bad, there's few things that's harder. Right? Can you imagine what the relationship would be that I have with Sue if everything was scripted? If I got up in the morning and said, I wanted to make sure that you heard me say to you today, I love you. And then I get out my little, my little book and go, check. <laughs> oh, and by the way, I'm supposed to give you a hug and a kiss. If we sat down at the dinner table and it was just a rote experience. How are you? You look pretty. How was your day? You understand what I'm saying, don't you? When's the last time you've just gotten before the Father and you strip away all the formality? I'm not saying to be disingenuous to him. He's holy God. 
He's high and lifted up. I'm not saying you disrespect him in any way, but you simply come before him as Papa, as Abba Father and go Dad. Holy One, can we talk? Can we talk? And scripture says when you draw near to him, he draws near to us. That's what we want. Preaching and teaching. Living and growing. Try this one on. Working and serving in the power of the Holy Spirit. It says everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. You know what simply this means is that God is at work. Anybody want to see God move here? You notice the last song we sang was about pour out your spirit. What would that look like? What would it look like you to, to, to you today if God truly untethered you? If he unshackled you and you began to worship him in spirit and in truth? What would your response to a holy God actually be? When is the last time you really came before the Lord and went, Lord, I need your power at work in my life today. God's power in your life. That's what they were doing. Everyone was filled with awe because God was at work with signs and wonders. Folks, we can do a lot of things. We can do a lot of things but we can do nothing that matters and nothing that lasts without the power of God within us. You and I won't accomplish anything of any eternal value without the Spirit of God at work in your life. So come to him. If you're a Christ follower today, you're not praying him to fill you with the Holy Spirit. You're already full. You got all of him at the moment of salvation. You're just surrendering to him. Lord, get me out of the way and you go to work. Verse 45, we touched on it. That's the scary verse, right? They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as they had need. And the central principle here is that there is sacrificial and intentional extending of the kingdom of God. We started talking back in the fall about Christmas in the neighborhood. And I'll, I'll never forget really when I said to our elder team that I think we can raise about $15,000. I came back and picked up the jaws of a few of them because we've not done that before. I talked to some of our other leaders in the church and other men in the church and we were talking about it and some are going, man, that's a big task and others are going, well, that'll happen pretty easy. It's amazing where we stand in faith at times, isn't it? And then you as a church gathered together and sacrificially, sacrificially and intentionally provided some help and relief to about 160, 170 families during the Christmas season. That's God at work, right? That's extending the kingdom. 
Folks, we're, as we talked about in a series in the fall, we're simply stewards of what God has given us. We're managers, we're not owners. But would you make a, de a determination that this year in 2024, you will be intentional and you'll be sacrificial about pushing the plow of the kingdom of God forward? Luke 19 says, put your hands to the plow and don't look back. So church, you're going you're gonna to see next week, we'll, we'll make available to you a copy of our budget, um, also referred to as a ministry strategy. Let me, let me just give you a peek under the tent on that for a moment, okay? I understand budgets. I've been a businessman for 30 years. I understand the need of budgets and good accounting and understanding where we're going and what we're doing. And, and Fellowship Bible Church has done an excellent job at maintaining a great budget. My, uh, my, my appreciation to Brother Randy for helping to lead and guide that budget through the year, he and others. Um, we looked at our budget coming up for 2024. And as you understand, Fellowship Bible Church is a little bit different. It's, it's elder-led, so we're not, we're not having to vote on a budget. We're not having to get approval on these things. This is trusting your pastors and your leaders and your elders to move forward. And uh, we looked at the budget this year and took a step of faith. And we increased the budget. Significantly. Not foolishly, but significantly. And here's the reason why. Why did we add to the budget of the church? Because we want to sacrificially and intentionally extend the kingdom of God. There's no sense in any local church simply hoarding money. This is God's work. This is God's kingdom. And we want to put it to work. So I can't wait to tell you what groups and gatherings and serve teams and mission projects are going to look like as we start to serve locally and globally, as we start to establish brand new serve teams where you can get involved like you never have before, where you can ask and answer the question that Dr. Falwell used to ask me. If you could do anything for the Lord and knew you wouldn't fail, what would you do in 2024? Think about that, Gil. If you could do anything you wanted for the Lord and knew you wouldn't fail at it, what would you do? We want to sacrificially, we want to intentionally put our hands to the work of Christ because Christ loved the church, amen? And because we love the church and we want to push this forward and we want to care for and build up fellow believers. It says that every day, I love that word, every day, they devoted back to committed, convicted. They devoted themselves to the meeting together in the temple. They broke bread from house to house. They ate food with a joyful and sincere heart. And that simply means that relationships were important. I got to be careful how I say this. I'm closer to some of the people that I go to church with than blood relatives of my own family. Not my immediate family. I like them better than you. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but you get it, right? 
See, this isn't social. This is family. This isn't just gathering. This is unity. This isn't just a local assembly called the church. This is the body. And we care for. And we protect. And we help. And we push so that the body gets better. And you and I are well cared for. We're strengthened. It says in verse 47, they were praising and glorifying the one true God. Look at that, praising and enjoying the favor of all the peoples. Just simply means Jesus first. And then they were going and sharing the gospel. Maybe the favorite verse I have is out of Acts 42, verse 47b. Every day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. So a couple of things. I mentioned to you a few weeks ago, we got a brand new baptistry headed to Fellowship Bible Church. I'm so excited about this baptistry. People go, where are we going to put it? I don't know. What are you going to do with it? We're going to baptize people in it. It is my prayer, my earnest prayer, that every single month at Fellowship Bible Church, somebody is taking a step forward in faith and making the public declaration that what God did on the inside, I want to make public on the outside and is getting baptized in that tank. Every single month. Anybody with me? Every single month. But you go, what happens if we miss a month? That's the Lord's work. It's not mine. But it says that he added to the number daily in Acts. Do you realize he could add to our number daily? How's he going to do that when you and I get busy about going and telling and sharing? When you and I get committed to who God is and what God loves and God loves the church. He loves the church. It says there in, on your handout and in your Bibles, Matthew 28, it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always and even to the end of the age. And this takes us right back to our beginning statement. Out of these passages, this one passage, we get proclaim. What are we proclaiming today, church? We're going to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. I've said this to you before. I'll say it to you again. There are lots of people that can preach the gospel better than I can. But there's nobody's got a better gospel to preach than I do. Lots of people can share easier than I can share. But no one has something better to share than you and I do. So I'm going to equip you this year. I'm going to put bullets in your gun on how to share your faith. And here's my prayer. That everybody in this room would actually, actually get serious and go, I'm going to make the commitment to share my faith with at least one person this year. That's a very low bar. Right? That's a very low bar. But if, you, if you'll be faithful to it, 
Watch what God might do. We're going to proclaim the gospel in preaching, in teaching, and obeying. So here's the thing. Fellowship Bible Church is not just about giving out right information. It's not just about teaching you how to think. Fellowship Bible Church is committed to helping you know how to live. So to know the truth of the Word of God and apply the truth of the Word of God so you can obey the truth of the Word of God. Iron sharpens iron and we get better as we go. Second thing out of, the, out of Matthew says we're going to equip the church through gatherings, groups, spiritual gifts, and teams. Folks, we're, we're going to ramp up serve teams around here in a, in a big way in 2024. We need a nursery team. We've got kids. We've got students. There's a foster care ministry that's getting ready to be started. We need parking lot attendants. We need greeters at all the doors. We need help in guest services. We need help with our hospitality team, with our benevolence team. We need help with local outreach. We need help with global missions. Someone who can help do event planning. Someone who help us with our uh, community service projects. People that will help us build an on-ramp that make it easy for people to get involved at church. You know what I hear in most churches? I'd love to get involved. It's just so hard. I can't find any way to get involved. We're going to help you with that. We want to help you learn what your spiritual gift is because everybody has at least one. If you're a Christ follower, you got at least one spiritual gift. What's your talents? What's your abilities? What's your personality? What's your experiences? How does God knit all of this together? And if you could serve him any way you wanted to and knew you wouldn't fail, what would you do? Folks, some of you got to get busy this year. You hear me? We got to get busy and find a serve team and lock arms and grow together. Continue in our large group gathering. You realize if God continues to give the increase, we're going to outgrow one service pretty quickly. Easter's coming, by the way. We had 335 people here at Christmas. Who knows what God may bring at Easter? And then from the days ahead. Some of you, I'll just stop right here. Some of you are going to go, but, but I like my small church. I like it where I know everybody. Can I, just, can I just get spiritual on this for just a second? At what point are we going to say enough is enough? When are we going to say we don't need any more? When are we going to say you'll have to find Christ somewhere else? Folks, I pray it never happens at Fellowship Bible Church that we keep the doors open we find more seats if that's what we have to do. We go to multiple services. Is that what we have to do? I don't care what we have to do. If we have to get a tent and go outside, let's do what we must do to reach everyone in this community with the gospel. Did you realize this? In the Bridgeport-Clarksburg community, and this statistic is true, 70% of our population doesn't go to church anywhere. 70%. So when you walk through the mall... Count 10 people and seven of those don't go to church anywhere. Why well, happen to think they might as well come here? Why not come here and know the truth? Why not come here and grow? We're going to develop through groups. We've got connect groups started. We'll have more to talk to you about that next week on Connect Sunday. We need a strong men's group here. We've got great women's group. We've got student ministry. We need to develop our leadership team. Folks, this is just equipping the body. So all I'm asking you to do is find your place to serve.
Find your place to serve. And push the plow of the kingdom of God. And then it says we're going to go to all the world. Man, this is the one that lights me up sometimes. Local and global missions. What we did at Christmas. We're now planning our Easter outreach. Starting to talk about that. Anybody in the, in the house grateful for blacktop parking lot outside today? Isn't that wonderful? We didn't walk through mud today. You know what I see blacktop parking about? It's ministry. That parking lot down, where am I? Down there and out there is all for ministry. And I can see it as clear as anything when we hang a screen on the side of that building and we have movie night. And we invite families in our community to come and watch a movie and have some popcorn and get to know us a little bit right here in the parking lot. How's that sound to anybody? What about a fall festival? Well, we load these parking lots up with fun houses and bounce houses and games and activities, and we put four or 500 people on this property to hear the gospel and have a good time. Does that sound good to anybody else? I love a blacktop parking lot, not because it protects my shoes, but because it gives me a platform for the gospel. That's what we're talking about. We're going to go back to Haiti as soon as we can get back in there. We're going to find ways to get us into other countries. We're going to go into local cities. You're going to love this. I'll tell you this and I'm about done, maybe. But for years, I've taken teams to Boston. Boston is the educational hub of the world. There's 300,000 college students in Boston. Now, here's what's amazing. Every lease in the city renews on September 1st. It's crazy. So when you roll into Boston on September 1st, you have U-Haul trucks all over the place. You walk up and down the streets and you have these families who are trying to unload their kids or load their kids and move them in or move them out of apartments and it's pandelirium everywhere. So we partner with a couple of our local church plants up there and we wear their t-shirts and we simply walk up to these families and go, hey, can we help you move your stuff in? And we spend the day schlepping boxes up and down steps and building relationships and talking with and praying and sharing the gospel. And I can't tell you how many times on the back end of a U-Haul truck, I've grabbed somebody's hand and I said, can I pray with you? And they accept Christ as their savior, all because we picked up a few boxes. What's that sound like to anybody? You want to go to Boston? <laughs> on the big move, we take a bunch of us up, we partner with a couple local churches and we help them get a footprint in their local community. We're gonna be talking to you about some church planting. Do you realize that we can plant a church for $300? For $300, we will train a national to establish a church in his community, in his village, where he teaches and preaches the word of God. We can plant churches. We can disciple individuals. We can go to cities and states. We can travel around the world and we can go into our parking lots. We can, we can work doors and classrooms and nurseries and cradles. 
We can pass plates and give handouts. And we can simply put an arm and a hand around someone and go, can I pray with you today? What's the vision of Fellowship Bible Church? It's what it's always been. To proclaim, to equip, and to go. Say it with me. Proclaim, equip, and go. Say it again. Proclaim, equip, and go. God, may it be as you've declared it to be. That your church be faithful to the task. That we not be content with anybody dying and not knowing you as their Lord and Savior. That we'll never just become these spectators sitting in the rows, but we will become participants working and serving to your honor and glory and for our good. Father, would you unleash this church as it has never been done before? Would you unleash us as we go into our community and our neighborhoods and our homes? Would you establish us as a people who love where we are and we love the world? Would you position us in such a way that we're known as servants of the Most High and always ready to go to work? Father, it's, it's an amazing thing that you invite us to join you in your work. So as Paul said, find us faithful. Find us faithful.